If you guys uh, have a Bible, you can open it up to Acts chapter 2 this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on in our series that are based on just two words, but Peter. Uh, and so let me just like unwrap a couple of things if you're new around here. We're, uh, we're in a series where we're journeying through the book of Acts. And then in that series, we got to Acts chapter 2. And we started a little series within our series uh, entitled The Church That Jesus Came to Plant. That's kind of our study through the book of Acts chapter 2. Uh, and then in that, we got to verse 14 where it says, but Peter. This is what was happening on the day of Pentecost after everybody had thought that the disciples were, were drunk uh, because the Holy Spirit had fallen. And so now we're at a series within that series, within the other series, where we're just talking about what are the traits of a follower of Christ? Somebody who's a member or who is a participant in the body of Christ, in the church that Jesus came to plant, what are the traits of those individuals? And so last week we looked at trait number one, uh, and we're seeing these traits in the life of Peter. And uh, the whole basis of this little series is that Peter is not some elevated saint that is uh, above reach of the rest of us. That Peter is a, a man uh, just like, uh, or a human, just like you and I uh, are human beings. And so we can can learn from Peter. We ultimately don't emulate Peter. We emulate Christ, uh, but we can learn from Peter and the traits that we see that made it possible for him to be the guy that preaches the opening sermon. And the first, uh, again, the first trait was resilience. The second trait we're going to look at uh, uh, today is that Peter was trained he was trained. Or uh, the biblical term sometimes used for this is that Peter was made. He, he was made into something. And so uh, the, the Peter that was called by Christ, and we'll look at that story in a little bit, uh, uh, three and a half years prior to him preaching this opening sermon, uh, what happened, what transpired from that moment to three and a half years later uh, that Christ chose Peter to be the guy to preach the opening sermon. And one of the things that happened in there was that Peter Peter was trained or he was made up. And so what, not made up as in like imaginary, made up as in like built up. And so what did this training look like? And this morning, I want to look at the, the training of a follower of Christ um, through three simple questions. Uh, first, what's the point of the training? Second, what is the process of the training? And third, what is the proof of the training? And, and so the first question is this, what is the point of the training? And, and as we answer that question, first, let's just go back to the initial calling uh, uh, of Peter. This is a moment where Peter, uh, this is prior to him having met Christ. And so this is when Jesus called Peter to come follow him. We see this account in Mark chapter 1. It says these words, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the he there is Jesus, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. This is obviously a very common story, and any of us who have spent any time in church, we've heard about the initial calling of Christ, but uh, initial calling of Peter. And this story, although obviously unique to Peter, is also a picture of how Christ calls us. The, the initial call of Christ in our own life, which is to leave something behind and now to follow him. Uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament, there are metaphors that are used for this kind of call on our life. One metaphor is the idea of moving from death 
to life. Another one is moving from darkness into light. We use terms like that. The moment I was saved or when I was born again, these moments indicating when, when that call of Christ came out, we decided we were now going to follow Jesus instead of our own way. Now, in very dramatic fashion, we see the initial call of Peter. He literally leaves behind his old life, his old profession, uh, and he takes on something new. He leaves it all behind and he follows Jesus. Now, the picture here is a beautiful picture of what happens for us when we follow Christ, that we leave something old behind. We leave our old way of looking at the world, our own way, our old way of how we viewed all of our life, and we take on now to follow Christ. So this, this morning, one of the things I wanted to do is, uh, as we're preaching through the book of Acts, it's very church heavy, of course, uh, because we're talking about, uh, you know, the church, the founding church, all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes in the midst of that quest, uh, uh, hear me out here, we can almost forget about Jesus. We can, we can talk much about church and we can talk much about, uh, you know, the church that Jesus came to plan and what that looks like. And of course, all of that is supposed to center around Jesus. But one of the things I wanted to do this morning was just remind ourselves in the middle of our Acts series here, again, what all of this is about. And that is Christ calling us and us choosing to follow Jesus instead of following ourselves or the world. That simple reminder of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be trained up by Christ to be one of his disciples? And so there, Jesus calls Peter. And later in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus is speaking and he reminds us the point of all of the training. And uh, in a a simple way, Jesus just says this, uh, that a student, when he is fully trained, will become like his master. And so if you've ever heard the phrase in church, uh, somebody, whether in prayer or somebody speaking it, like, I just want to be more like Jesus or help me to become more like Christ. And you say, like, is that an actual thing? Or uh, did that just, did that language just kind of seep into the church? No, it was Jesus who instructed that uh, when, when, when we are fully trained, we will become like our master. We will become like our teacher. Who? Christ. That this journey that we're on of discipleship is about leaving something behind. And then the point of it is that as we are more fully trained, the point would be that we become more like Christ, that we reflect Jesus more. And sometimes uh, in our religious quest or in our church experience, we can actually forget the simple point of all of it to become more like Jesus It can become about church engagement. It can become about doctrine. Uh, It can become about the good guys versus the bad guys. Uh, It it can come about all of these things. Uh, And then we go back to the beginning and remember, no, it's about me and you and all of us becoming more like Jesus, reflecting Christ more. And so what's the point of the training? To be more like Jesus, not just to be a good church attender, not just to be a good citizen, Not just to be a good person, to be more like Jesus. That's the point of the training. The the second question there, what is the process of the training? Well, we see uh, Jesus then, who spends three and a half years training Peter up, and he uses different tactics. And so let me lay out a couple of them. One of the tactics Jesus uses um, is, is, I'll I'll call it education, uh, teaching. All throughout uh, the the book of Mark here, after this moment where where Jesus calls Peter, we see over and over, uh, and then Jesus taught, and then Jesus taught, and then Jesus taught. Over and over, Jesus is teaching, and Peter is sitting there, and he is hearing the teachings of Christ. 
Now, before somebody out there, uh, before you go, well, then I must be a great disciple because I've heard all of the teachings. I I can recite many of the teachings back. I've read through the Bible. Perhaps you're thinking, I know many of the facts about the scriptures. Uh, I I, I frequently read my Bible or you you find yourself positioned in church often. And so maybe you think, well, uh, if education is the process of discipleship, then then I'm a great disciple because I've heard all of the teachings. One of the most common phrases that Jesus uses in the scriptures, the one that, uh, one of his phrases that is repeated the most is this, he who has he ears to hear, let him hear. What did Jesus mean by that? He was saying it not just to audibly hear the message, but to hear in such a way or to listen in such a way that what you hear cuts to the heart and changes you. In fact, at the end of Peter's opening sermon, all of the, um, the, the, the Jewish listeners uh, who, who heard the teaching, like heard in this way, it says that they were cut to the heart and they looked at Peter and they said, now what do we do? In fact, all throughout uh, the book of Mark, as we see Peter being trained by Jesus, and as we see these initial disciples on the day of Pentecost being trained up in Christ, two of the indicators that you actually heard something, you didn't just hear it, but you heard it, uh, two of the indicators are this. One, that when you actually have heard what was being taught, you begin to ask questions. Like, well, then what does that mean? If, if, if what is being said is true, then what does that mean? The second thing is that there is conviction or you're cut to the heart. Like when we actually hear the teachings of Christ, one of the indicators that we actually heard it is that it cuts to our heart and it makes us go, well, if that is true, then how does that conflict with how I've been living? See, it is easy to hear me on Sunday morning and to nod your head and, and, and what I, I, I uh, um, laugh at, but almost like a sad laugh the most is when somebody will come up to me afterwards and they'll go, man, that was a great sermon. I really heard you this morning. And I'll go, you were who I was talking to. <laughs> I won't say that a lot. I'm thinking that in my head. And then I'll watch week after week and nothing changes. So you didn't hear me. And it's not about hearing me. You didn't hear the Holy Spirit. To have heard means to listen in such a way that it cuts to the heart and it changes your behavior. There was a whole group of people in the scriptures who had all of the education of the teachings of the scriptures and the word of God. Even to this day, there are modern people who have been highly educated. And I'm not just talking about like intellectuals who are outside of the faith. I'm talking about people who frequent churches on a weekly basis. Perhaps some of us in here this morning who have heard all of the teachings, have have heard all of the teachings, but have not really heard them. And part of Jesus' training then was to to share the truth of his teachings, right? And he educated um, uh, uh, Peter and he educated the rest of his disciples, right? And so they heard Jesus teach things like, love your neighbor as yourself. And they heard Jesus teach things like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, And they heard Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount where he basically just takes everything that we would do without Christ and reverses it on the other side of what life with him now would look like. 
They heard the stories like the, uh, um, the parable of the prodigal son and, uh, and, and loving those who are far away. They, they heard the stories where Jesus would say, uh, um, don't put yourself first, instead humble yourself. They heard Jesus teach all of these things, like the Good Samaritan story. Uh, and they would have known these truths because they heard them, but hearing them is enough. Having actually heard them in such a way that it cuts to the heart and changes our behavior is the training. But one of the easiest ways, listen, listen, one of the easiest ways to avoid true training and discipleship is to position yourself close enough where you're hearing without actually ever having heard. Because when you position yourself and you go, yeah, 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 no, I'm hearing all of this. I must be okay. It gives you a, a false sense of discipleship. Oh, no, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. No, no, no. That can be one of the easiest ways to actually deflect having really heard it. So I must be okay. I'm there almost every week. Now, have you heard it? Has it cut to the heart in such a way that it changes you? And so hearing it first, having actually heard it, like listening to the story, listening to Christ, uh, listening to his teachings. Now for Peter, it was actually like listening to Jesus teach. For us, it's, it's revisiting those stories or it's, it's uh, the entirety of understanding and knowing the scriptures and letting the scriptures speak to us and positioning ourselves in such a way, whether it's through preaching or a podcast or reading the scriptures on our own, uh, to let those continue uh, to, to hit into our hearts, right? So that we would really, really hear them. Really, really hear them, right? But then it goes on beyond that. Uh, Peter's training was not just educational. Uh, it was also uh, a Christ set an example. He set an example. And so Peter didn't get to just hear Jesus teach, right? He got to see Jesus do. And so, yes, Peter heard Jesus teach, love your enemies, but Peter got to watch Jesus res respond to the Pharisee or the hypocrite. Jesus, uh, Peter got to watch Jesus on the cross, right? Say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He got to see the example of Christ's righteousness. And Peter got to hear Jesus say, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Your worry can't add a single um, a thing to your life. He got to watch uh, or hear Jesus teach that. But then what did he get to do? He got to watch Jesus in the middle of the storm, just go to sleep. Because he knew that peace could be still, that, that, that the Father was watching out. He got to watch Jesus actually um, uh, maintain uh, a sense of calm and focus even as the storm of the cross approached him. And so Peter got to hear Jesus teach, but he got to watch him do Peter heard Jesus teach on the Sermon on the Mount, which is this like uh, seemingly unachievable way of living where there's both holy outside um, action and both an inward heart that is pure. And, and so Peter got to hear Jesus teach on that, but he also got to watch Jesus always respond in love, maintain purity as a, as a human being his entire life and, uh, and never give in to sin. And so Jesus uh, um, both taught, but then he was also the example. Peter got to hear Jesus say, uh, he who would um, seek for his life will lose it, right? But he who will lose his life will find it. Peter got to hear Jesus teach that, but he also got to see Jesus pray, not my will be done, but yours. 
and then actually walk through that. And so there was this educational side to Peter's training, but there was also this example side of just watching Christ, how he lived, how the teachings actually translated into his actions. And again, sometimes people get caught up here and they go, okay, so, so to be a disciple of Christ then means I need to learn the teachings of Christ and then I just need to will myself to do them. There's another group of people uh, in the scriptures who did this as well. And Jesus actually sometimes has harsh words for them. Uh, and uh, because it, it, there, there can be an element where I can say, okay, I've learned everything. Okay, now I'm, I'm forcibly uh, forcing myself into doing them, right? And I'm just doing them, but nothing has actually changed in the heart. And so education is important and the example is important. Knowing what is taught and then doing the right things, those are elements of being a disciple and being trained in Christ. But there's actually even something deeper than that. In fact, I've I've often said this, uh, that some of the most miserable people are the ones whose training or discipleship in Christ has involved, I hear the teachings and I make sure that I do them. Sometimes with gritted teeth or self-righteousness. Now, see, there's a, there's a third element to the, to the training, and it was the experiential side of it. See, for Peter, he, had, he, of course, had heard all of the teachings of Christ. He had seen the incredible example of Christ. But then Peter, in John chapter 21, has this experience of Jesus' unbelievable grace being poured out on him. And we see from the moment, this is after Christ's resurrection and the, the moment when, uh, when, when Jesus kind of uh, just lays grace out onto Peter, uh, that there seems to be this transformation that occurs in Peter. Now, this is the moment uh, of like gospel renewal for, uh, I think, for Peter, uh, in the same way that many of us have grown up in church environments where what has happened is we have been highly educated in the teachings of Christ. Um, We have become good examples, mostly because we either want to appear good or we think, well, if I'm going to be a good Christian, then this is what I do or that's what I do, uh, right? And so uh, I want to look good to other people. I want to look good to myself. I want to make God happy. I want to make sure he blesses me. So I'm going to do all of the right things, right? Uh, But inside, there's almost like a, uh, like we're experiencing a shallowness, a dryness, or even a death. Even though we've been educated and we've been the example, we've missed out on this moment where the grace of Christ floods into our hearts. Then all of a sudden, all of the education and all of the example, all of the holy living takes on a whole new meaning. Because now it's not coming out of our forced behavior, our strict adherence to the teaching and the code. It's now coming out of an experience with the love of Christ. I was listening, uh, listening I was actually reading um, one of my favorite preachers, and uh, he was talking about how he says, uh, then he wrote this in the 1800s, right, where he goes, you know, today people say often, uh, and if they were saying it 200 years ago, they're probably saying it now, um, I don't remember the moment um, that, I, uh, that I loved Jesus or that I came to faith, but I'm sure that it happened. And, uh, and what he was saying in there is, he goes, how could somebody forget a moment when they were from darkness stepping into light? How could you forget being dead and now being alive? This isn't a a gradual process for moving from death to life. It's not a gradual process walking from dark. There's this this moment, there's this experience with grace. There's this time when grace hits the heart that you go, well, something just happened. 
I, I was operating off of my education. I was operating off of I, uh, the example that Christ laid out before me, but now I've just stepped into the experience of grace breathing into me. That's different. See, the, the disciple, the trained Peter, wasn't Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost because Jesus looked out and he said, okay, who, who is the most highly educated amongst us? Give me that guy. No, it wasn't Peter because he said, okay, who has seen my example and has best emulated me? Give me that guy. Nope. What Jesus does is he says, okay, I know that Peter is educated and I know that Peter does know how I lived and he has seen my example. But I think Jesus saw in Peter in John 21 when he was restoring him something trigger in Peter's heart that goes, well, now I get it. You really do love me despite my flaws. You really can look past my lowest moments. Your grace really has covered everything. You really are beckoning me to something new. Uh, three and a half years ago, maybe Peter was thinking, when I laid aside my, my call to be a, a fisherman, right, uh, and my previous life, and now what you're calling me to, remember in this moment, Peter is uh, being affirmed by Christ back to his original call and also giving a new call. It's almost like for, for Peter in that moment, the lights went on and he goes, oh, now I get it. And so on that open day, Jesus looks and he goes, no, no, no. I don't want the guy who's just been educated. I don't want the guy who just knows how to emulate me. I want the one who has really experienced my grace. See, in the church that Jesus came to plant, what it means to be a trained disciple of Christ is, yes, I educate myself in the scriptures. Yes, I want to be an example to others of what Christ is, but ultimately it is because I have experienced for myself the life-changing pouring out of grace on my wretched heart. That's, that's where the training then becomes complete. We see this in other areas of life, don't we? Right? Like somebody can, somebody can, um, can, can practice a sport all they want. Okay? But like it, you sometimes, uh, and those of us who played sports, we knew this. Like we, we learned all these skills. We learned all of this information about the game. But then all of a sudden we got into the game one day. Uh, and and we, we made a play or we, or we had this thing happen to us. And all of a sudden we go, oh, wait, hold on. Now I understand how all of that practice translates. And, and, and many of us, for those moments, it, it began to change the way we interacted in the game. Why? Because there was now an experience that was tied to all of the education and the emulation. Has that happened yet for you in your faith? Has, has the grace of Christ poured out in such a way? Have you met Jesus in such a way that you look back at all of the education and all of the attempts to emulate him and you go, oh no, hold on, now I get it. And grace floods your heart. See, the, that's the point of the training, or the process of the training. Education, example, right? And, but then ultimately that experience with grace. But then, but then, say, well, what's the proof of the training? How do I know that the training has actually begun to take its effect in me? And we go back to the whole point of the training is actually the proof of the training because the point of the training is that we would begin to look like Jesus, right? That was the point of it. And so then the proof of the training is what? That we actually begin to look like Jesus. 
That this, this being a disciple of Christ, that a, a being trained up to be like Jesus, uh, is not just uh, I know a lot of stuff or just I force myself to be a good example of Jesus, but out of the grace that he has poured into me now, I, I hear, like, like actually hear the teachings of Jesus, and it begins to, like it did in the initial call with Peter, leave all of that behind and pursue something different. It, do, it begins to do that for you in every area of life. How do you know you've been trained up in Christ? What is the proof that your training is actually uh, beginning to have an effect? Uh, As clearly as Peter laid down his nets and began to walk away to a new pattern of life, you have laid down the previous patterns of your life and you have picked up new ones. Let me, let me just walk through a couple of this morning, right? Uh, that, that out of the, and again, this is all coming out of the experience with grace and grace having wrecked your heart, grace ha- having humbled yourself, uh, that all of a sudden now, like you see, I was dead in sin. Christ made me alive. That experience has triggered something new. And now I, now I actually hear the teachings of Christ in a different way. So you've heard, right? Let me just walk through a couple. You, you have heard, love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard it. But have you heard it? I know you, I know, I know you can quote it. I know you've heard it said before. But, but have you really heard, like, love your neighbor as yourself? And the proof of your training coming out is that it changes your relationships with people. Like in every, in every instance, it changes your relationship with your spouse. It changes your relationship with your parents. It changes your relationship with your kids. It changes your relationships with your brothers and sisters. It changes your relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It changes your relationship with your neighbor. It changes your relationship with those who are different than you. It changes your relationship with those who you would say they're so much different that I could actually look at them as enemies. It changes your relationship with the person who has harmed you or hurt you or betrayed you or beaten you down the most. Like the proof in the discipleship is that the experience of grace has now worked its way through that when you hear love your neighbor as yourself or love your enemies, you, enemies, you've actually heard it in such a way now that it has cut to your heart and changed your relationship. And so a situation arises and you go, man, I really want to respond like this. I want to get angry. I want to yell. I want to say this to them. I want to write them off. I want to divide. And then the training rushes through. You go, but I'm not going to. I'm going to unite. I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give of myself. That's when the training is working. It's not just our relationships with people. It, it then begins to play out in how we respond to problems. Right? Like Peter heard Jesus say, peace be still. Peter heard Jesus say, do not worry. Don't be anxious. And so we, we hear it, right? We, we hear it. How do we know we've heard it? Because the next time the thing happens, that last time caused us so much anxiousness, so much worry, so much crippling fear. It happens again and we go, 
but I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to respond to this problem like I would have responded to it prior to my training in Christ. Because now I've been trained. You know what the, the, the art of discipleship is or the process of discipleship is this. Early on in our Christian life, early on in our Christian life, we face the most minuscule of problems, right? Like you stub your toe <laughs> and out comes, woo! And then you get trained up in Christ. <laughs> and you stub your toe and you're like, dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to humble myself. Uh, but then something else happens. That is so much worse than stubbing your toe. And when you do, dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to be humbled and to trust you more. I don't get it, and I don't like it, but I'm not going to worry and I'm not going to rebel. I've been trained now. And haven't you seen people walk through the hardest parts of life and you go, how have you not rebelled? How have you not ran away? They've been trained. Didn't you see Peter? When Jesus said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, and Peter said, don't talk like that. And then later, what? Oh, Later, they, the, the, the Romans and the Jews, they, they threaten Peter with death, and he goes, okay. Why? Because now Peter's been trained. He's grown in it. And can I tell you something about, about growing up in Christ? It never stops. You don't get to a place where you go, I think I got it all. In fact, if you think you're at that place, let me tell you something. You're not, and you're wrong. <laughs> You've stopped the training You've stopped the training. It's not just even responding to our problems. Uh, another way this, this plays out, how do you know you've been trained? There's a, a releasing of your possessions. A releasing of your possessions. Like Peter heard Jesus teach, as he did so often, on our possessions in this earth. And he, Peter probably heard those, right? He heard them and he heard them and he heard them. And we can hear them and we can hear them and we can hear them, but have we heard them? Like to the rich young ruler when he's like, hey, just sell everything and come and follow me. And he's like, not a chance. But as you grow in Christ, what happens? As, you, as the training becomes more complete, you begin to look at the entirety of your possessions, your time, your money, your talent, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and as, you, as the training becomes more and more complete, you look and you go, all of this is yours. And early on in your training, you, you look and, uh, and you have like all of your possessions and you go like, okay, like, like God, I'm willing to give you like, like a little bit. But then as you grow and as the training becomes more complete, you, you realize like uh, you may have not actually sold all of your possessions. And I think this is the whole point of the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, it's not that we actually go and get rid of or sell all of our possessions. It's that like we kind of metaphorically sell all of our possessions because we look up and go, God, they're all yours. And so it's not even like, just go give them all away. It's like, no, I have given them all away, God. You're just asking me to steward them right now. And the moment you tell me to give one of them away, I will. Because my heart is in that place. 
And as the training becomes more and more complete, you just get more and more open-handed with all of the possessions of time and money and skill and everything else that you have because your training is becoming more and more complete. And what you used to never be able to release, now you can freely release because the training is having its way in you. Another thing this begins to do is that um, uh, when, the, when your training is becoming more and more complete, uh, oh, and by the way, um, let, me, let me just pause here for a second. As I'm walking through this little list, okay, you'll know which one is stopping your training right now by how angry you get when I'm talking about it. Okay. The one that you get the most angry about me bringing up is the one he most wants to move in you because that's where you're refusing to hear. You're hearing, but you're not hearing. Number, another way this begins to work its way. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Okay. Another way this begins to, to work its way in us is this. It, it begins to restore our passion for purity. Like you, you read through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' incredible teaching on holiness. And, and, and if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes, okay, you know how in the past, right, we're talking about like Old Testament law. You know, it had this like standard for holiness. And most people would look at the Old Testament and go, yeah, man, what a bunch of legalists. Like that standard was unbelievable. And Jesus goes, okay, cool, cool. Let me take the standard and make it even tighter. And people misteach this all the time because they go, oh no, the Old Testament standard, you can throw that out. And Jesus goes, yeah, throw it out. I've got a harder one to put in place. And it's not harder, like I've got to do more and I've got to be more cautious about all of these things. They'll make sure I'm lining up by all the rules. What he's saying is that when the Holy Spirit hits you, it will begin to, um, to prick your heart in such a way uh, that sin will become even more detestable. And it won't be just about what you do on the outside. It will actually break into what's going on on the inside. And so, like in the Old Testament, you could be holy, right, just because you did something. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, he's saying you can do whatever it is and actually still not be holy because your heart isn't in the right place. We're, we're going to break in, not just worry about what's on the outside. And so when, when this training is, is becoming complete, what it does is it begins to re, just restore your, your, your passion, your desire for purity. And as it grows and it grows and it grows, uh, one of the ways this looks is you, you look back and you go, man, there was a moment where I know that I was in Christ, but I can't believe that I allowed that in my life. I can't believe I engaged in that. I can't believe I listened to that. I can't believe I watched that. I can't believe I enjoyed that. I can't believe I spoke like that. I can't believe I, I did that. And, I, and, and listen, self-righteousness and religiosity is when I take what God has taught me and the long process that it took uh, him to, to, to make me more holy, and you look back at somebody else and say, hey, I need you to skip the entire work process and just be where I'm at right now. That, that's what self-righteousness is, okay? What, what gospel grace is, is understanding that people are in different parts of this process and the Holy Spirit is going to start working things out. I say this to one, uh, with, with one aside, and here's the aside. There are certain behaviors, okay, that are not behaviors that God needs to work out over you over time. L listen, please. There are certain things, 
Like, okay, what I listen to, what I watch within reason. And there are things right now uh, that I would have watched five years ago, but by God's grace, I look back now and go, that's disgusting. I don't want that in my heart. Okay? And it took five years or whatever for God to work it out. And if five years ago, somebody looked at me and said, you're not a Christian if you watch that, I would have said, I don't know what I would have said, okay? But I would have probably rebelled in my heart against that moment. It took the Holy Spirit years to work that out, right? But listen, listen, there are certain things that aren't about working them out over time. They're about being obedient right now. They're about being obedient right now. Okay? I mean, we, we, we read through the scriptures and we see these. And we can just walk our way through them, right? Excess in, in, in all these certain areas, okay? Uh, sexuality and all of the ways uh, that sexual sin can play itself out, okay? Like, if you're, if you're looking at porn right now, that's not like, hey, God, work this out of me over the next three to five years. Nope, stop. Just stop now. Like, just, just, this isn't a process thing. This is a decision point thing. Are you going to obey or not? Right? And you let them do it now. And, and there are many of these, and you say, how do I know which ones are which? Right? Well, read the Bible. Hear the word of God and hear his teaching. Right? Speaking horribly about somebody else is not like, God worked this out of me. It's a, no, just stop now. Just stop now. Just stop now. And see, what begins to happen, what begins to happen, right, in our, in our hearts as we're being trained up in Christ is, is that as we're walking through the process, right, not in a, um, uh, in a forced emulation or a forced educational way, but in a, man, the gospel is really changing me. Like there's just this restoration and desire in our heart for purity and for um, not chasing the passions of the world and the passions of the flesh. And as Christ grows in us, those things that are of the world and of the flesh just grow increasingly disgusting to us. And that's how you know the training is working. That's how you know the training is working. Let me give you one more. The, the last thing that, uh, well, at least the last one I'll point out, I could have done a hundred of these, right? One of the last ones it does is it, it redeems your entire purpose for life. Yeah, it's kind of like a big one, right? But it redeems your whole purpose for, for living. Like Jesus taught Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added unto you. And what he's saying there is stop seeking all of those other things and stop making those your purpose in life. Instead, just seek my kingdom first. And then as you seek my kingdom first, I will then add other things to you that you need. And so when, we, when, when the training is having its way, and it's like we see this in the initial call of Peter, right? Peter, uh, you're not going to be a, a fisherman anymore. You're going to be a fisher of men. And it was an extreme example where Jesus is showing us what's going on. And, and what Jesus doesn't say to Peter, and a lot of modern teaching, by the way, teaches this. It would have been like if Jesus had shown up to Peter and said, Peter, I know you're a fisherman, but are you a fulfilled fisherman? Are you... Do you feel like you've discovered your purpose in your fishing? Let me, let me show you. Let me show you, Peter, how you can stay exactly as you are right now, but you can do it with a little bit more purpose. See, a lot of modern teaching says, no, no, no. You stay the same, but just add a little bit of Jesus into it, and it'll make you happier as you're doing it. Oh, that is not the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is, no, 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 no. You leave yourself behind 
Jesus will give you a new self. And if he wants you to do the same things that you were doing before, that's fine. But if he wants you to give them up, if he wants you to give them up, that's fine too. See, the call of the gospel is not, Jesus, why don't you pop into my life and make it a little bit more fulfilling? The call of the gospel is, Jesus, why don't I leave my old life behind and you tell me what you want me to do now? Those are different things. Those are different things. And so the Christian, the one who's being trained in Christ, does what? Wakes up every day. Wakes up every day. Because Jesus, this day's yours. And so what I do and what I, where I work and, and, and what I earn and how I treat people and, uh, uh, and what I make my life about and what I'm going to seek after and, uh, and what I'm going to build into my life and all of those things, it is all yours. And so whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm going to do those things. And then Jesus in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 actually gives us a little bit of a hint because he says as the gospel begins to transform us, that what will happen is our hearts will begin aligned with his eternal purpose. Can I tell you something? The scripture is much more concerned about God's eternal purpose than he is about your personal purpose. Let me just one more time, just in case. Just in case you didn't hear that. The scriptures are much more concerned about God's eternal purpose than about your personal purpose. Okay. And what is, what is God's eternal purpose? What is it? It is the glory, it is the glory of the Father through his church, through his church right out of Ephesians chapter three, that we get aligned up in the eternal purposes of God, that the training that we actually go through is about how um, less, uh, how my life, as I'm walking through this training process, right, and I'm walking through it, and it's almost like you could watch a video, right, uh, uh, instead of like just seeing a camera, like a, a single photo shot and being like, oh, that must be where you're at now. This is not about like these individual moments. It's like, a, it's like watching a video and watching how you grow over time. And as you're like walking in this training of Christ, right? And as you're walking through it, all five of these things that I'm talking about are all growing inside of you. And so as you're walking down this training, you're responding to people differently. You used to respond in anger. Now you're responding in love, uh, right? You're responding to the problem differently. It used to drive you into fear. Now it drives you into trust. You release your possessions differently. You used to be like this, and now you're living like this. Uh, you, 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 you have a restoration and a desire for, for purity. You used to be okay with something else, but now that thing sickens you and you're just like, I just want to taste and see that the Lord is good. You used to wake up every day and you're like, I got a little bit of my purpose and a little bit of his purpose. But as the training becomes more complete, you wake up and you're like, today I am seeking ye first the kingdom of God. It's like all I'm doing, right? My training is now complete. Where you at in the training process? Have you stalled? Have you stalled? Have you, have you taken one of even these five that I've mentioned and you said, okay, God, I'm willing to give you these two, but those three I'm going to hold on to. Or maybe you're like, hey, four of them, I'm actually doing really good, but God, I'm holding back the right to be angry and bitter. Okay, but you can have the other four. Or God, you can have the first four, okay, but ultimately I still want to wake up every day and be about me. I want to be about me. Okay, and, uh, and so ultimately my, my purpose is still my purpose. I'm not about your eternal purpose. I'm about my purpose, but I'll try to look like you in the other four. What do you need this morning? What do you need this morning? If you're there, let me tell you, it's some of you, maybe a little bit of education, okay, right? 
Some of you may be a little bit more like, okay, how would Jesus respond in this moment? But you know where we always have to go back in this? Because the only thing that will actually change us is rediscovering the experience of the gospel. So where do we end this morning? Where all training has to go always through. Always through. And that is the gospel. That we were dead in Christ. And by his grace, he looked down at us, even in our rejection and rebellion, and he said, and I still love you. And he pulled us to himself. And he radically changed our lives. And what we need is to always go back to that and to always let the experience of the gospel break back in again and then play itself back out through these types of transformations. So if you're, if you're here this morning and you're like, okay, one of those five is really exactly where I'm at, where I don't want you walking out of here today going is I'm going to will myself to change in that area. Where I want you walking out today is, God, I see again the beauty of the cross. And I pray that you would melt this heart of stone again to reflect exactly what you want in one of those areas and let the gospel change you. Let me pray. Father, we are all being trained up. And like Peter, we want to be trained in such a way that you can use us in the church that you came to plant. And so, Father, I pray that we will have heard this morning, again, afresh, the beauty of the gospel For by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Father, I pray that the, the beauty and the truth of the gospel would break into each heart again. And Holy Spirit, wherever you have prick somebody's heart this morning and said, hey, that's what I wanted you to hear, that we would really hear it. That we will have heard it this morning because it will cut to our heart and change our behavior. And we will then be more like our master, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.